A heads up for our listeners, the following episode discusses mental health. If this raises any issues for you, please reach out. The contact numbers for support services are listed in the episode description or CA ANZ members can also find support by searching CA Wellbeing on our website. Hello, my name is Gillian Bowen, Public Affairs Manager at Chartered Accountants Australia and New Zealand. This is Small Firm Big Impact. You know, I'd walk past meeting rooms and I'd see that people were having a conversation and I would think in my head that that meeting was about me. Now that I have the insights, I'm able to say to um, you know, the people that I'm working with, look, you know, I <laughs> I need to take an hour because, you know, I have to go and um, see my psychologist and that's no different to seeing a physio or any other type of doctor. It's the, it's the same. It's the podcast giving you and your clients the up-to-date information you need to do your jobs. Each episode, I share resources, tools and expert advice provided by CAANZ and a range of people across our profession. So make sure you're following the pod in your favourite pod app. And if you've got an idea for the show, email podcast at charteredaccountantsanz.com. Today we have Jane Stanton, FCA, a past president of Chartered Accountants Australia and New Zealand and current partner at Grant Thornton Australia. The topic, mental wellness in the accounting profession. And by drawing on her own experience, balancing a rewarding career with managing mental illness. Jane, welcome to Small Firm Big Impact. Thank you for having me, Gil. How long have you been an accountant or involved in accountancy? (laughs) (laughs) So I started as an undergraduate at Pricewaterhouse Parramatta in 1989. I was 17 years old. Love it. So there's a there's a fair bit of experience that you bring to the table, which is wonderful. And I, I thought it would be interesting to set this up by seeing if you could give me a bit of a taste of what it was like then and perhaps what it's like now. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's some things have changed and some things have changed uh, have very much stayed the same. So obviously, what's changed is the digitization, and you know we didn't use computers. We had you know as an undergraduate, one of my jobs was putting memos into people's pigeonholes. Um, so you know the way that we work has completely changed. How we work is, it's in very much, it, there, there are some similarities. The thing that's always attracted me and why I've stayed in the profession is that we work in teams. So, you know, I started my career in external audit. I now work in risk consulting, but it's the power of the team. So, you know, all the, the work we do is always about a team contribution and team insights and and that type of thing and that that hasn't changed and that's what I really enjoy um, and working in you know 
accounting firms are multi-generational. So you have, you know, people who are starting out in their career versus, you know, partners who, who have been in the firm for many, many years. So that concept of working in a multi-generational context with different insights that that brings, that stayed the same as well. What are the positives and negatives of being part of a profession, do you think? So, I mean, I guess <laughs> the positives have outweighed the negatives because I shouldn't, I wouldn't still be in the profession as you know, in my fifties, having started out as a seventeen-year-old. Um, but I think it's, and it's something that I think you know, certainly during my presidency, came home to me is actually that you're part of a profession. So, in a way, you're working with people who uh, are held to the same ethical standards as as you are, but it's also that sense that you never on your own that, you know, I've been lucky, I've always been part of a firm or a large company, but even as a sole practitioner, you have somewhere to go to get the support that you need because you are part of a profession. Um, and I think sometimes that message does get a little bit lost um but i think it's really important so you never have to be truly isolated mm. that idea of support and i guess it requires you to reveal if you reveal part of yourself or uh if you are struggling or if you require support you are required to be a tad vulnerable and you have taken on this as uh, something that you're really passionate about is revealing potential vulnerabilities. How does that work? Um, I think it's something that I certainly would have never done at the beginning of my career. Do you know, the? Re I don't think – I've only been able to become vulnerable, A, because I'm more comfortable with myself and my reputation – but I didn't have the level of self-awareness or understanding into my illness to actually be vulnerable because I didn't have a sufficient understanding of my illness. Um, so it was only when I could speak about the illness almost in from a third-party perspective and speak about it a little bit dispassionately and a little bit objectively, that that actually helped me to be vulnerable because I could separate the illness from myself. In the past, I, I, I just didn't have the level of insight to be able to do that. And I think, you know, because I grew up in the 70s, it just wasn't spoken about. So it wasn't until I was, you know, well into my 30s and, and 40s that I gained the insight into my illness to be able to talk about it in a in a different way but understand it and understand how to manage it. So there's a couple of things there to unpack. Management is uh, one that you've just said there right at the end but also uh, revealing and the benefits of revealing. If a member's listening along and they're thinking, oh, this is resonating with me. How how would you go about um, managing this in the workplace and, and why do it? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, it's finding someone in the workplace that you feel 
comfortable having that conversation with or if there's someone in the workplace that recognises that, you know, perhaps you're in a position that, you know, you're not you're not operating to the degree that you should be operating in. But I think sometimes, you know, in these in this frantic world that we live in, um, you know, for me it was trying to clear out the noise in my head and understanding, you know, what was genuine noise that I could remove versus what was the anxiety that was creating the noise. And I, I think, you know, through having those insights into my own illness, I'm I'm pretty attuned to some of the 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 signals that um and the the methods that people could be using to try and cover something up or um you know, tr- trying to sort of manage something but not let people people know. But I think, you know, certainly the more that people talk about it, the easier it is for people to be vulnerable. And, you know, the, the method that I use is to talk about my illness like people would talk about a physical illness. That's the method that I use and I find that's the best way to remove any stigma that, you know, I have a chronic condition, it's not diabetes, it's not heart disease, it's depression, anxiety and OCD and it's a disease and I manage it that way. Do you feel that it has had a negative impact on your ability to uh be in the office, interact with your colleagues, do valuable work, contribute. I know that sounds like a loaded question, but there'd be people <laughs> who, and that, and that I'm preempting your answer. But I'm thinking about those that listening along, saying this is private, and if I do reveal that, what will people then think of me? But it's much easier to reveal it if you think of it as an illness, and it's something that you're managing so you know i have a i have a team member at the moment that has a you know a chronic hip issue from doing too much running that they're managing and they have to go to the physio and they have to do various other things you know i think of my illness the same way so you know there's certain things that i have to manage and certain boundaries that i have to have in place but you know, it, it's it's a, it's a it's just like every other physical illness that you know everyone at some point in their time, in their life may experience some form of of mental illness. And you know, before I had the insight into my um, into my illness, my mind was working overtime. Like you know, I'd walk past meeting rooms. And I'd see that people were having a conversation and I would think in my head that that meeting was about me. But that was just faulty thinking. So, you know, it was that mental exhaustion from trying to deal with what was going on in my in my head. But, you know, now that I have the insights, I, I you know, I'm able to say to, um, you know, the people that I'm working with, look, you know, I... <laughs> I need to take an hour because, you know, I have to go and um, see my psychologist and that's no different to seeing a physio or any other type of 
doctor it's the it's the same but speaking i just find the more that i can normalize it the easier it is to you know have it treated as though it's any other illness what would be your advice to uh, those in leadership positions within a workplace, whether that's just the boss of a small firm uh, or, or somewhere in that might be a little bit bigger, they may not be able to fully understand because they may not have mental illness, but they would have a team member who would want to have support in this area. What's your advice to someone in leadership who would be navigating this potentially for the first time? So how would you respond if a team member came to you and said they had a physical illness mm. and manage it the same way? And that requires a bit of practice because I feel it that d- there's a bit of stigma potentially involved in all of that as well, isn't there? Yeah, but just, you know, your team member has come to you and said they're managing an illness. It happens to be a mental illness rather than a physical illness, but it needs to be managed in the same way and you know a bit like you know if a if a team member is is recovering from an illness it's it's putting a, an actual program in place to make sure that they can recover it's exactly the same thing so it's no it's no different and and the more that you think of it differently the more that you embed the stigma now that you're in uh a, a senior position in for yourself mm-hmm. in in the profession. Do you see uh, a lot of the um, younger team members or colleagues that come into the business maybe experiencing or suffering imposter syndrome? And I I know that you have previously written about imposter syndrome. How much of that ties into uh, people's mental wellness and their ability to function? In the profession, yeah, I think look, it, it becomes a confidence thing, and and the thing that I find myself saying to a lot of younger team members is, you're judging yourselves by standards that are impossible to meet. So it's being it's being kind to yourself and being realistic about what it is that you're going to be able to achieve, but also understanding where you can best make a contribution. So I find imposter syndrome, it almost operates in two ways. One, you know, you don't, I don't belong here. And then the other one is I'm going to be found out. Mm. So, you know, I I should, you know, someone else will come and walk into the meeting room and say, Jane Stanton, why are you here? You shouldn't be here because you're not qualified <laughs> or experienced enough to be here. imagine someone actually doing that? I find that. Yeah, but, like that but that's right. right I get but that's that. the faulty, yes. but that's just faulty thinking. I mean, that's all it is. And, you know, it, it, one of the most valuable things I learned in managing my illness is just because you're thinking it doesn't mean that it's true. Mm. I find a healthy – a health- And once I got my head around that, my life was so much easier because my, my mind would be saying to me, Jane Stanton, you don't be- deserve to be in this meeting. But it wasn't actually true. 
I did deserve to be there because I was qualified to be there. I was doing a role that required me to be there, yes. but I was imposing this story on all the other people who were in the meeting that wasn't actually true. I think you would enjoy my mantra, which is focus on the facts. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. But I do see, you know, and, and not that I want to make this about gender, but I'm I'm working with a number of, you know, younger female team members at the moment who are, you know, they're fantastic. They're really, really capable. But I can just I know the stories that they're telling themselves in their in their heads and you know one what I do now is if they say something and they start the the interaction with I don't think I can do this I actually tell them to stop and we're going to reframe that Mm. and then that's practicing a useful muscle let's not forget how powerful our brain is exactly 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 is looking for um, a couple of, you know, where to from here then, okay, I might um, see if I can get some support or work out what it is, uh, a bit of self-awareness, how, how, how they de- dive deep into their brain. What, what, do you, what would you suggest? Yeah, so all, you know, virtually all workplaces have employee assistance programs and, you know, that entitles you to, um, you know, a number of sessions with a psychologist or a counsellor and I would certainly, you know, recommend that if you feel that you need someone to talk to, that you use that as a port of call. Mm. Um, If your workplace doesn't have access to EAP, then the next best place to go is to CA. Um, And there's a number of um, fantastic groups within CA that are specifically set up to, to help members navigate their way through a particular um, scenario or, you know, a particular circumstance. Mm. And, um, you, you know, that, that benefit of, of talking to someone who inherently understands the circumstance that you're in is incredibly supportive. Mm. Yes, well, that's right. I will put links to those options in the show notes because the Employee Assistant Program service is available to all CA, ANZ members and it is a confidential program and it supports members and also members' um, families through counselling services and uh, it can be accessed 24 hours a day, seven days a week and as Jane was saying, it's up to three sessions. They're free of charge if you're a member, I will put a link to that in the show notes. And the other group that is helpful is the CA Advisory Group, or CAG as we call it. And we've just done an episode on that as well. So check out the episode before this one. It explains how CAG can provide support for CAs facing ethical dilemmas or weighing up career decisions. And that is also free and confidential. Jane, a final thought before we wrap up? I, you know, it's it's funny during my my period as as presidency as president, I was asked a lot like why should I why should I be a member of CA, and you know, there's many reasons, but Gil, as you just mentioned, it's it's these things that you don't think about that you actually have access to. So I think it's 
you know, it's getting to know the member body that you have, you know, there's these amazing resources that most people and most members don't actually realise are, are there. And, you know, that's, that is the benefit of being a CA. Yes, it's about the reputation. It's all those other things, but it's actually being able to access some of these wellbeing services that for whatever reason you may not have access to in your workplace or you may not feel comfortable accessing in, in your workplace environment that you're able to do so um, through CAANZ. Totally. Look, that is all we have time for, Jane. Thank you for being so honest and open. I know those listening along will have appreciated it. I'll put some links in the show notes for all the useful information we've talked about. Follow the pod if you haven't already and give us a review. The podcast has an email, so feel free to get in touch. Podcast at charteredaccountantsanz.com. Let's start a conversation. Thank you, Jane Stanton, for being my expert on small firm big impact. My pleasure, Gil. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye.